0: Now, NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, whether you're listening on Talk Zone, by podcast, through the archives of our ad-free shows on our YouTube channel, or connected through the incredible content of our Facebook page. Our guest today, Bill Tortorella, was born in Brooklyn, New York, and graduated from the School of Art and Design in Manhattan. Bill won an international contest for art portraying the Broadway musical Jesus Christ Superstar and worked in the field of commercial art. In 1973, he moved to Florida, attended Mount Sinai Medical School, and became a paramedic for Miami-Dade County for several years, until the psychological wear and tear of that job gave him a form of PTSD. After that, he started his own business, traveled the world for over 20 years, but while working at a trade show in Tucson, Arizona in 1994, a horrible virus broke out. Bill became extremely ill and stopped breathing, which led to his prophetic near-death experience and a profoundly changed life. His new book, The Ninth Level of Enlightenment, The Wisdom of the Light, details what he learned from the other side. Bill, welcome to NDE Radio.
1: Well, thank you, Lee. Thank you for having me today.
0: Well, it's wonderful to, to have you on the show, and uh, it's, you have a really fascinating story. Um, Bill, when we were talking yesterday, you recalled hearing about drowning in a pool as a toddler. So tell us about that.
1: Yes, that was amazing. Um, my, my cousin, my cousin Phyllis, had, I was speaking to her. She just had finished reading the book, and she said, she said wow. That was astonishing. But she also said to me, well, how does it feel to have died twice? I I didn't know what she was talking about. She said, you must have blacked it out. She said, when you were a little child, she was several years older than me, only three years older than me. Mm -hmm. But when I was a little boy, uh, I was with my family down on vacation, evidently, in Florida. I think we were in Miami, Florida. And I must have wandered off and I actually fell in their pool. Wow. And they were looking for me for a few minutes. Evidently, she told me and they found me and had to resuscitate me. So this is something new that just came in. I had no idea (laughs) that I was in the bottom of the pool. Somebody uh, saved me and had to resuscitate me. Wow. uh, Thank God they did find me in time. So Yes,
0: perhaps it was a preview of, <laughs> of what came later on. Bill, were you raised I, in uh, in any religion as
1: a child? Well, I was raised as a Roman Catholic in, in Brooklyn, New York. I went to Catholic catechism, did my Holy Communion confirmation. And I was really close to, to Jesus in my life, especially because my brother died when I was at such a young age. Yes. I remember praying months upon months for him. He he came down with this cancer that spread all over his body out of nowhere. And he was only 30 years old. Wow. And that's when I really started praying heavily. Yeah. And, but it was probably his time. And that was profound on my it was it was really tough for me to, you know. Yeah. understand that why he died so young he was so close to me he was like my virtually like my dad he was there more than my dad because he was i believe 15 16 years older than me he did most of the fatherly stuff oh yeah. so i missed him dearly then i miss him dearly today
0: and that was peter right that was peter yes and the listeners will be glad to know that you and peter are still together we'll get into that in a second Well, let's get on to that famous rock and gem show, which actually is still a major annual event in Tucson, Arizona, 1994, and this killer virus that hit you.
1: Well, it was the show I did in 1994. I was doing the show for years, Um, and every year, it's the biggest mineral and gem show in the world, and jewelry people go there as well. Mm -hmm. But every year, millions of people from all over the world come in February. They have literally, they have the convention center filled with vendors. They have at every hotel, they have all their ballrooms filled with vendors. So the whole city becomes a show And, and it's massive. And people come from all over the United States and Asia and Africa, South America, Canada, Europe. All over. So it's cold and flu season that time of year, also. And, you know, mm. people bring along their the viruses and flus. And this year just happened to be a very bad one. What happened? We started the show. I believe it started on a, a Friday. Mm. And I remember getting into the show. I think it was the third day. People were starting to get very, very ill. One of the ladies actually across from me in the booth, she collapsed and the paramedics had to come and get her out of there and bring her to the hospital. Hmm. So I felt fine up until that third day. It was the fourth day and I came down with something, a virus that I could tell you I've never had anything like it in my life. My throat was all swollen so badly. I could barely breathe. I felt like there was hardly any room left in my throat. It was so swollen. And there was, there was pockets in the throat. You know how you get when you get a virus? Yes. Uh, I had a fever. I just, I thought then the people that were working for me at the show said, you got to get yourself to the hospital and get yourself, you know, to a a medical center. And what happened was I went to the hospital and this thing was running around town and they were very busy in the emergency room. And they asked me if I would go and do one of the medical centers. And I said, yes, I will. And I don't remember how I I got there. I believe either someone from there drove me because at that point I was by myself. Well, they, they, they took me over there. And I wound up in the medical center, and they took my fever. Fever was high. They said I was dehydrated. They put me on IV and then, and then IV antibiotics, and uh, they didn't know what this virus was. They just said some kind of bad virus or the bad flu that came in, and it was just, you know, it was putting a lot of people down, so people were deathly ill. It was very bad. I was there probably, I was there for several, several hours because I remember them changing the IV bag several times. And then when they finished and they got my oxygen levels back to normal, they gave me, uh, they came over, the doctor came over, he gave me an inhaler, and he gave me a bottle of uh, additional antibiotics to take. And he says, take this when you go back, you know, to your hotel. Right. And, well, I did. I went right back to the hotel. He said, take it along with uh, Advil, Tylenol, whatever you want to take Mm -hmm. for the pains you have, too. And uh, that nightly turned into a night of light and love. As I fell asleep, it was a while before I fell asleep. But when I fell asleep, I remember this distinctly. This is the most profound memory. It's it's almost 30 years now, 30 years ago that this happened to me. Next year, it'll be 30 full years. And I remember how I physically left my body. I heard myself take my last breath. And I left my body in this beautiful fluorescent green mist through my eyes. You know, they say the eyes are the windows of the soul. And I, I believe that now. I mean, I had certain people in the NDE world tell me it was my pituitary gland. Well, it could have been. I don't know. For me, it was my eyes. And and now I was hovering over my body. I was completely detached, detethered. Um, the body was down there, and I recognized it at first. That was my body, and it was curled up in bed, and it looked like it must have been an enormous pain. But after a little while, and I'm I mean, I'm still floating around the room there for a little while, looking down upon myself. That body looked lifeless. And it was then. When I said in my mind, the body is lifeless, this light beam came from behind me. I remember because yeah. I was facing down, and then everything was just lit up underneath me. And I, I don't remember turning. The light made me turn. I instantly turned and was brought right into the gateway. Yeah. And it was magnificently. Mm-hmm. I'm in this beautiful, magnificent light. I'm already starting to feel this love. This love is a different kind of love. It's almost impossible to explain it here. But this love was, I could say, if you love something the most in the world, magnify that by thousands of times. Hmm. This love I became part of. And now I start moving. And I'm moving faster and faster. And these beautiful, beautiful, magnificent colors are going by me and through me. And it feels like I'm going through the universe, of passing nebulas. And it was magnificent. And the faster I went, the more love and protected that I felt inside. I remember my arrival distinctly. Because the first thing that came into my mind was, I'm home. I'm finally home. Thank God I'm home. I remember now hearing that out loud clearly, clear as a bell. Huh. And it was that moment, Lee, that I heard a soft whisper in my ear. Yes, Bill, you're home in the light of our Lord Jesus. Huh. I, was, I was so thrilled to be part of this love because there was, there's a lightness about it too. Like here, here we're weighted down in life by our bodies and stuff. But now it was released from that. And then she introduced herself as one of my guardians. She said, my name is Antonia. I am one of your guardians. I was with you on our travels home. And I said, you were with me. I, I didn't even realize I had, I had no idea whatsoever. Don't forget, we're, but we're in spirit form now. She's a glowing beam of light. It's so beautiful. And she explained to me that uh, she was even part of my ancestry, my great great grandmother on my father's side, evidently. And she told me I had two other guardians. And right as she said that, along with other family members meeting me and greeting me, it, it was just wonderful. I felt like i have been there before. I know I'll be going back someday. But the feeling of being home, Lee, it's indescribable. We know once we get there, that's where we come from. And now another One of my guardian, I call them my guardian angels, approaches me. And the first words out of his mouth is hello, Billy. And those words were my brother's Peter's words that died when I was 16 years old. Now, being at the show, I'm 42 years old now. And that was 30 years ago, almost. It was beautiful i said peter peter and he says yes bill it's peter and the love i was so happy and joyous at the time that's the time he turns to me then he said bill it's time for your life review Mm -hmm. i said peter what is a life review bill you mentioned i think in
0: the book that the setting that you found yourself in was like a um, magnificent crystal city.
1: Oh, yes. Everything around me looked like cl- beautiful crystals reflecting light. I even have a, a business now in my, in my art. Um, it's reflections of light. But, the, yeah, it was like crystal cities. There was beautiful spirits. It looked like the spirit has a job to do after we're done. And people, there's no I or me. There, there's no selfishness yeah. in heaven. It's when you're you're with the Lord, you're in his light, you're in Jesus' light. There's only love. Mm-hmm. And everyone reminded me that they were in service for others. Magnificent. I-
0: Others have described the cities they've seen or the city they've seen there as crystal. Uh, St. Teresa wrote a book about a crystal castle, I think it might be titled. And, oh, she um, Yeah. And also I, the fact that you were working with gems and stones. <laughs> this was <laughs> custom made for
1: you in a way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I said in the book, the, the, the streets remind me they were paved in gold and diamonds. But, you know, that's how, uh, Lee, I think that's the way we describe it here because we could visualize that. Yeah. It was more beautiful than that. The, the Crystal Cities, when I say reflecting light, they were reflecting the whole universe. It was, it was magnificent. But the, the light was so brilliant and magnified, mm. it just brought a warmth to my soul. And you'll never forget that.
0: And in that setting, you saw, I think you said, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of spirits. Of spirits. Working in service for one another. Working
1: in service for God, for one one purpose. There's there's service and love. Whether spirits are, I believe I had three guardians. I believe a lot of them have their own human spirits they work for here on earth. Our guardians are with us our whole life. We just don't realize it, but they are around us when, when they're needed. Yes. When we ask for God's help, they are always around us, and they're around us in prayer. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people that the best way, it's our phone line to heaven. Prayer is our phone line to heaven and your angels that are along with you for this whole wild ride here. On earth, I interrupted
0: you when you were starting to talk about your life review. Right, go on with that.
1: Me and Peter sort of we automatically whisk off, and now this is the first time I see myself back in my full human body form. So, and Peter's in his, and Peter looks younger than I did because he looks at the age he was when he passed away, which was around 30 years old. And I was 42, but I felt that I looked younger at the time. But now he's showing me clips of my life. He wasn't showing me. It was like automatically we were together in these clips and he was with me. And it it was magnificent. He was showing me at first, they showed me all the good I've ever done in my life and all the bad I've ever done in my life. And I believe the first part of the life review was the, the wrong that I've done, hmm. because we went over and over and over things. And the wrong you do in the life, in your life, the hurt you put onto others, the pain you in, install in them, that, that could be hurtful to them for their whole lives. I remember a time that he showed me when I left my first wife, and I left my wife and son, my son Joey, when he was only two. The pain got so bad, I actually didn't only feel their physical pain, I felt their emotional pain. Their emotional pain got so strong within me, in my life review, it was... Undescribable. It was terrible, and then on and on and on. Not thank God, Lee. I wasn't a bad person in life. I didn't do that many bad things, you know. But when we're teenagers, we all do little crazy things here and there, you know. Yes. We hurt people in one way or the other, and it's just that hurt started magnifying and magnifying and magnifying to a point where I practically, I remember almost screaming and saying, "I can't take it anymore. I can't take it." please forgive me i'm sorry i'm sorry and then all of a sudden a voice comes in it says now we'll show him the good side mm-hmm. and then it started again when i was young as a little boy it it was magnificent i was with my friends and it 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 showed me taking a group of the guys to the movies my my family wasn't rich but they were you know okay I, uh, you know, money-wise, they my mom owned a bar and grill across the street from Ebbets Field with a Brooklyn Dodgers played, not the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Brooklyn Dodgers <laughs> right? <laughs> in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And uh, my dad was president of uh, the Teamsters Union there in New York, Local 804. That was the United Parcel. He brought United Parcel into the Teamsters. I think it was either 1939 or 1940. In 41, Joe Tortorella was the, the president of the Teamsters Local in New York City. Mm. And so we were, made, my dad made a good living. My mother made out well at the bar. And when she gave me money, I took all my friends, all my friends with me, whether we were going to Coney Island for the rides or whether we were going to the movies. And, you know, they didn't, they didn't use me. It was like, they gave me everything also back in return. It was beautiful friendships I had growing up and it was wonderful. They showed me times we were in clips. It was like a moving uh, video screen, but moving at the speed of light. Like you're almost in a, a computer. You know how it moves so quickly, the computers nowadays yes, and fast. And we would go from one scene to another and, it was just magnificent, all the good they showed me. They brought me to the park when I was a paramedic. I was a paramedic, and they showed me so many different things. But I remember several, several wonderful things that happened when I was a paramedic. There was this one call we had. I'll never forget it. Because we were heading up to our station on 125th Street, North Miami, and we were on I-95 North. And all of a sudden, I hear over the radio, uh, our partners up there in another unit got called, but they were pretty far away. Our ETA to this destination where the accident was, their accident was on 135th Street and I-95 northbound. We were already on I-95 northbound. And when I first heard the call, we were on about 79th Street. And then by the time I could pick up the mic. We're already almost at 95th Street, and we got less than a two-minute ETA. So I picked Mm -hmm. up the mic and said, call off Unit 69F, and 67F is going to take the call. We less than two-minute ETA. So we got to the scene. I jumped out of the unit with my pack bag there, and I see a boy sitting first But then getting up and running around frantically and he's yelling, my sister, my sister. And we were looking at him, Danny and I, when we got out of the unit, we were looking directly at him. And he said, my sister, my sister, we both turned over and we see this young girl with her head through the windshield. Half of her head is on the outside of the windshield and half of it is in the inside of the windshield. Uh We opened the doors and there was blood all over the car. And we had to assess because she still had some movement. So Danny and I had to make a quick assessment on it. The reason why is because we could have waited for the fire truck to come with the cutters. But by that time, she would have completely bled out. So Danny looked at me. I looked at him and said, let's get her on. Let's get her off this window. So I went outside carefully and Danny was inside. And I remember taking the top part of her head and passing it through to Danny, picked her up. We put her on the stretcher, brought her directly in the ambulance. And I was trying to bandage her head up. And Danny's in front already and her brother's sitting in the back of the unit. And now her body goes into like a seizure and her body was physically jumping. And now I'm trying to hold, I'm trying to bandage her head. And I have no control over it because I have my hand under the back of her neck and I have the gauze pads and bandages now at the top of her head. That's all I have. But I said, God, help me. Help me, God. And my gosh, in that part of the scene, I seen Peter was lying right alongside me and I seen his hand come in on our head with mine. This was amazing. We got her off to Parkway General Hospital. In the book, it says Pines General, but the name of the actual hospital was Parkway General. And yeah. I know that some of the nurses there, they got her immediately right into the operating room and we just figured that she was a goner but i couldn't stop thinking about it the whole day i was thinking about it thinking about it thinking about it and the guys in the station were saying bill you got to stop bringing your work home with you. you know but but i had feelings for people you know she was a young girl she might have been 17 years old and the next morning i never forget and we got Right away, we got showered, and we had a new uniform put on for the rest of the day. But the next morning, we worked 24-hour shifts back in the day. I said to Danny, we have to go to Parkway. And he, he looked at me like I was crazy because it was like six miles out of the way, one way, six more miles. Come, He said, you know, we'll be late. I said, well, let's leave a little early. So we left a little early. We got to Parkway. We walked in the emergency room. I said to one of the girls, I don't remember uh, her her name. I think it might have been Becky. And she's. I said, what happened to the young lady I brought in yesterday? She says, you want to meet her? And I was thrilled. Lee, the hair on my arms was standing up. I'll never forget that feeling. So she brought us up to her room. And now the girl is sitting up in bed and she was having something to eat. Her whole head was bandaged. There was just little minor scrapes on her face, but it looked like she was cut all around the hairline. And we got so fortunate. The brother's in the corner sitting down. The parents are standing up on the other side of the bed. The brother jumps up and he says, this is the man that saved your life. And you can't forget a feeling like that, Lee. It was amazing. It was amazing. The the girl was so lucky, by the way. Um, What happened was her head her brain had no fracture. She was just scalped. So mm. basically, it was like she was scalped and all the skin was flapped over on the other side of the unit. But there was so much blood, we couldn't tell that.
0: Right. Well, any facial, I mean, or, or head injury, I mean, it bleeds like
1: crazy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the head injuries bleed terribly. And then it, it went on, on and on. The good, the good, the good, the good. And... And then I heard the voice again say, the good outweighs the bad, and all the grayness dropped. And I remember Peter saying to me, I remember being back with Peter and Antonia, and this magnificent, magnificent spirit approaches me. And Peter said, this is your third guardian. My third guardian was a guardian of knowledge and wisdom that's been with me my whole life. I always explain it like he's the intuition that sits on your shoulder and speaks softly into your ear. So his name was Orin or Oron. I said in the book, but I really believe it was Orin. I'm not exactly sure. I spelt it as Oron. But he said to me, Bill, they explained the intuition part and then he told me that we're going to be going to an, another level now. And now, Peter and Auron and I, we whisk off again, and we're in this grand hall. I call it the Hall of Events. All crystal seating. It looked like a magnificent theater. It was beautiful. There was no place you had to sit down because we were in we was that spirit form on, at this time. But once it started, we're back in our bodies again. And again, it was like it was like a flickering old film. Lee, you'll remember this. Remember in the old days when the cameras flickered at speeds really high speeds? Yes. A movie or something a mov- movie reel. Mm-hmm. Well, you could see that kind of thing happening in a computer now. This was the same type of thing was happening, but now. They're showing me, in this hall of events, they're showing me the past, the present, and the future. And they bring me on a ride that is unbelievable. They bring me back to the past, Lee, where I was, it must have been, I believe it was prior to my birth. Now, I don't know, because it was one of the wars. It was either World War II or I believe it might have been the Korean War. I'm not exactly sure because I wasn't alive until 1952. Mm -hmm. That's the year I was born. But I had relatives in that war. I don't know if it had to do with them, but then it started moving. And we would move again from scene to scene to scene. We moved. And I remember them bringing me to the day I'm sitting in my classroom. It was 1963. I believe the month was March. And I hear the principal of the school come over the the microphone. Uh, we had a big box in the room, and they could speak from their office, the president of the school, mm-hmm. principal, I mean. And the principal said that President John F. Kennedy just got shot. And, you know, it was a somber moment for everybody at that time. It was sad. Uh, you remember it well, probably, don't you? Yeah, I sure do, yep. I mean, I think it was in the fourth grade or something, or the third grade. I remember that day going home to my, my mother was home at, at this time. And we had a lady with us that was been with us our whole life. Um, uh, Christine. She's the one that while my mother used to go out to work in the bar, uh, Christine was the lady that took care of me. And she, uh, she was my second mom. And she was a beautiful, beautiful lady. And. There was always singing going on in my house, but that day there wasn't. We no. were crying on the kitchen table. And I said, Mom, I heard, I heard John F. Kennedy was shot. And then boom, then we go again. It was amazing. The next time we go, we're we're moving faster and faster and faster now. And I remember I remember moving to my almost to it showed me the Martin Luther King as well. But I remember moving past, we actually moved past my near-death experience. Hmm. And now we moved to 9-11. Now, these events that they showed me during the Hall of Events were not just for me. They were for the whole world. They were major events. They were important ones. So every important event that passed during those times, it would stop. And show me. Sometimes it would show me outcomes. Sometimes it would show me I'd be right in the middle of it. But we were standing in each and every one of these places when it happened. And I remember being at the towers, standing in front of the buildings. And I remember debris and everything coming down around me. And I started running. And I said to Orin and Peter, I said, I have people in that building. I had a lot of friends that worked in the towers. Mm. So I was emotional at this point. I was very, very emotional. And Peter says, you don't have to run. You don't have to run. He says, you're not here yet. And I didn't quite understand that, but I listened. And then we whisked off again. And the next thing I know, we stopped in what I believe is Baghdad. Because I believe that next stop on our journey was Baghdad. Because we were in the Middle East. Uh, due to the clothing the people were wearing and bombs going off all around me. Instantly, I started to run again. I didn't know what I was running from then, (laughs) but it was just an instinct because of the bombs. But that part was amazing too, said again to me that I didn't have to run. So this whole events went on and on to what I believe, Lee, is these times now. And that's why I wrote this book, I've been writing the book over and over and over again since 2002, but I finalized it up this year. I wrote another book called Choices before this one, but it wasn't an actual, it was just for myself. Mm -hmm. I never had it edited or anything like that. But if you look my book up, ever you look it up, it's uh, you're going to see two books on there, but I believe it was these times now. The reason why, because we're at a crossroads. There's something very important that everyone has to understand here. There's a lot of things happening in this world today, and people are straying too far off the path of God. I believe in my heart. That's why I'm here for this mission, that I was asked, to pass on. Now, they showed me two possible outcomes of what could be. We could actually be heading into a world of total destruction. It could be like when you see in the movies, uh, Mad Max. It's, It's bad. We could be heading into a nuclear situation. No one wants this. No one wants this. There's a way out of this. And we could do it. We could stop this from happening. This is all choices that we make in our lives. Not I personally could stop it from happening, but people as a whole, as a nation, with God, could stop this from happening, or as a world. Let's not just talk about the nation, the whole world. And then they showed me a side that was a beautiful utopia. It was just pure love. where It was almost like heaven, where everybody was working together, as almost like one. And even though they were in human form, they were working in service for each other, to help, to love, you know, serving, helping. Not not I, 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 and me, me, me. You know, that doesn't exist in in heaven, it doesn't exist at all. We're all one with the light. But this is the moment in our lives, we have to choose. There are families that don't speak to each other anymore over politics. I mean, has it gotten this bad that a love from a family member to another family member does not, could not even speak to each other? Uh, That part is tough for me. It's really tough for me to, to handle that. So, I believe that this was the time for this to come out. And it was my mission to let the, the world know that we could live in the light of God in human form on earth. Or we could live on a planet where we fight for water, clean water, food, people tearing each other apart. They take, take, take till there's nothing left to take. So these are the choices we have to make. After that, again, the greatness fell, and we're back in spirit form. And I look at Peter. I look at Oren and Antonia, and they are all these beautiful beams of light. And I don't remember looking at myself until about this time. But I looked at this time at myself, and I looked down at myself, and I was this beautiful beam of light. Light, the color of, my color was this brilliant, brilliant green. That was the color of life. I felt it to be the color of life. And all three of them now told me, they're taking me to the final plateau, or level, how they put it. I don't exactly remember the wording used there. But I remember them bringing me to a place of enlightenment that was so wonderful so beautiful, there was many, 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 many beautiful angels there, so enlightened. You could feel the love raiding off them, the enlightenment. You could feel the knowledge, the wisdom that was within them. And it was magnificent because one approached me. Uh, I'll never forget this part. One approached me, and it was like he's right next to me and he's showing me he's showing me a a number sequence and it looks to me like flowing crystal waterfalls but they're numbers and these numbers would light 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 the nines would light the ones would light the three the six the nine would light now i know you hear these tesla numbers three six nine and but these are real numbers these are not just Tesla numbers. These numbers have been around thousands and thousands of years. The 18, the number 18, the one representing God in our Bible, and the eight representing eternity. That's the number 18 that really rules our whole universe. These numbers are so important, they explain to me, that they that's how we live and breathe today because that's how we have our tides. They measure our distances. They, for example, the diameter of the sun. Real quick, I'll try to do this because I don't want to spend a lot of time here. But the diameter of the sun is 864,000 miles. We're 93 point something million miles away. When you take the diameter and divide it by the distance, it comes to 108. The actual number is 18. The reason why, because in all life paths, all the zeros are dropped, and then one through nine, the nine is the strongest number in the universe. The one and the eight, the one represents God, and the eight represents eternity. But it's 108. Now, you see these numbers in other religions, too, not only in our Christian religion. We see these numbers in Buddhism. We see these numbers in Hinduism. Uh, The Buddhist prayer beads have 108 beads, uh, they do 108 prayers and many other things in the Buddhist religion. I don't know too much about it, but in the Hindu religion as well, their mantras, they recite 108 mantras. In their cathedrals, they have 108. So this number 108 is present all over the world. And it, it's amazing because the, the 369 fits these numbers exactly. Now you take the diameter of the moon, which is 2,160 miles, and you divide it by the distance to the earth. It's 233,000 some odd miles. And what is it? It's 108. The radius of the moon is 108. When God made this planet, he made it so perfect that all these distances, if they wasn't that number 108, we would not have our tides. We would not have our seasons. And it's just amazing. So if you divide the 108 by six, it's 18. Three times six is 18. Three plus six is nine. Nine and nine is 18. There's your three, six, nine. It's a measurement system. In the book, you said that, I think Peter told you that three was your life number? Three was my life path number. That's what I was told in the enlightenment of the nine principles. Now, these beautiful nine principles are, are beautiful. Hmm. They gave me principles of enlightenment from these, all, the, all the beautiful angels, the spirits there. I gave them. They gave me something, and I was just engulfed in this knowledge and wisdom, and it was beautiful. It was, but it was simple at the same time. What they expect from us is simplicity. They don't expect. God does not expect. He doesn't put anything really extremely hard on us. It's simple. Nine principles of enlightenment. Now, there's different stages of each one of the principles. So. I'll just give you an overview. Okay. The first principle that God wants for us is, one, will not and should not interfere with someone's life path. That means taking a life. That doesn't only mean taking someone else's life. It means never take your own life as well. Because you don't know if you take someone else's life, what they're Great grandson might have achieved. Maybe that might have been the real cure for cancer. So, just as form, it's not right. This doesn't exist in heaven. None of this stuff exists in heaven as it does on earth. Mm. Number two, we have intuition. Our intuition is so important. We have that little angel sitting on our shoulder our whole life. And if something is there telling you over and over and over again not to do it, don't do it because if you don't do it, you're heading down the right path. Now go back to the first one for just one minute. I left out one very important thing. It's very important. Someone else is not allowed to take your life either. Yes. So in other words, you have the right to protect yourself in self-defense. So I hope that's clear to everybody, that everybody has their right to protect their own life path. So intuition is one of the most important things. Well, each one of them are most important. I can't just say intuition is important, but that's because of Oren. He's been with me my whole life. Peter's been with me my whole life whenever I needed help from God. And Antonia is the angel that takes me home, And takes me in. And these angels, like I said, have been with me my whole life. Number three is choices. Now, Lee, this is the one power, the one power that God gives us. God gives us this power of choice for a reason. Because our spirits grow within choice and service. Service is the next one. But our spirits grow when we make the right choices. So it all falls together too. It goes in signals. So your yes. intuition tells you not to do something, you make the right choice. Okay. From there, we go to number four is service. Our service to others and humanity is the most important thing in God's eyes. Because in heaven, there is no I or me, it's all, everything is God and us. We are part of the light. And our service here on earth is how our spirits grow as well. The more service we do, you know, I was, I was very unfortunate in life to have that job as a paramedic. Because I had so many opportunities in my life to do those kind of things and those kind of services that I believe for doing those things, I was granted this beautiful messages to give to the people. Now, remember, these messages I'm just glancing on, but they're so important that you know the steps of all these messages. But there's nine of them. So the choices... The service, the service in the service, your spirit as well grows in service. So that's how our spirits become abundant with growth. And that part is that part is just wonderful. When you do something and help other people, you feel good inside that you've done it yourself. And you actually feel your spirit growing. You don't realize that, but your spirit is growing. Fifth principle is the enlargement. To enlarge, when you ask God to enlarge your wealth, God will in turn sometimes enlarge your wealth monetarily, but physically, He'll really enlarge your spirit. And when you ask for that in any kind of prayer, sometimes, especially financial prayers, sometimes people don't see that right away. But God's leading you on that path to get there, He's leading you on that path through when you ask him to enlarge your wealth. He's enlarging your wealth and your spirit at the same time. Number six is the power of lessons. We are so fortunate, so much of us don't realize it, neither did I, but we are granted and given these beautiful, magnificent lessons. Every day of our life, there's things that come to mind on people, ideas. That's how people become, actually achieve high things in life, because they follow the lessons and the gifts that God gives them every day. They work on the lessons. You know, there's an old saying out there, there's, there's dreamers and there's dreamers that do. Uh, that's the difference. So when you're lucky enough to get a beautiful gift from God, and he's sending to them to you in the form of lessons. I remember when I was in the jewelry and watch business, I got this idea one night because it was in the 90s and they were putting angels on everything, pillows, pens. And I get this idea to, I'm going to put the angels on my watches. And I made up a, a beautiful pendant watch uh, with a Lucite case with gold around it with the Raphael angels in, on, off to the side in a little circle, and I had floating stars and moon crystals floating around it. I did this because of my near-death experience. I used the crystals. And it was just a beautiful little pendant watch. It was it was gorgeous. And I remember going to uh, QVC, and the man picks out about six pieces. I brought in about 600 pieces. He only picked six. And I was feeling bad because – he only said, we'll take a hundred of them. And I walked out, I had to go in with a lawyer and I'll never forget this. I walked out of the meeting and my lawyer is like going, yes, yes, yes. And I didn't know why he was going, yes, yes, yes. I said, I got a, I got an order for a hundred pieces. This is not a really big order. He said, Bill, you got an order for a hundred thousand pieces. <laughs> That's a lesson I'll never forget. I, I love to tell that story because it brings me so much joy because that was a gift from God. God sent me that idea and I worked on it the next morning. I wrote, drew it out because I'm an artist as well. And I drew it out in the picture first. I sent it over to my manufacturers over in Hong Kong and they had made it up for me and it was just beautiful. By the way, the first order they gave it, they were doing it in 10 parts, the hundred thousand. The first order sold out in 28 minutes on QVC. Wow. So that's why you got to you know enjoy, follow these lessons that you were given every day. Now, when we get up into the upper lessons, they're very, very, very important. The upper principles of enlightenment. The power of love. The power of love is so strong, it's on all, all levels. There are there are more levels than that. I probably have about six pages of levels. That I wrote on that. But when we're talking about love, it's it's love for our children, our, our wives, our spouses in general. It's not only that kind of love. It exceeds as a ladder of love. And these rungs of love are so important that we digest these different forms of love. And actually the earth is in there. That's part of our love too. I'll be talking about that principle number nine. And number eight is the body. We're supposed to keep our bodies in nice condition. Now, you might have noticed I left mine go a little bit over the years (laughs) because I'm Italian. I love to eat. But we have to, you know, we have to keep our bodies fit because this is our vessel that we travel in and keep our body fit and healthy. That's what we should always be trying to do. Number nine is the most important thing. Mother Earth. We have to protect her. We are now devastating her. Mother Earth is our spirit. Without her nourishment that we get from her veins, her rivers, and without the oxygen that we get from the trees, We wouldn't exist. She's the one that feeds us. When we keep taking and taking and taking and not restoring back, we're raping the minerals out of her at speeds that are are unbelievable. And the earth is there to protect us. This is a part I talk about where the earth is a spirit in itself, probably the most important spirit in our physical world here on earth, because without her, we would cease to exist. So we have to protect her. We have to watch over her. We have to replace things that we take. The earth needs nourishment. The earth has life. And the earth is a spirit itself. I'll never forget the bombing in Baghdad. I remember that because months after that, I would be Waking up at night with these dreams and just profusely sweating about tornadoes, tornadoes are, are going to hit, are going to hit our, my house, our country, everything. This was after the bombing. One day, and I think it was only within a couple of months, one day it started. There was a massive range of tornadoes. We had over 300 tornadoes in the southeast section of the country. And it was devastating. A lot of people had died from it. And people could look this up. This happened right after after the Baghdad bombings. So the earth physically responds. It's going to be hard for people to understand that point. But the earth does. The earth physically responds because mother is a spirit. That's our birth mother. And without her, like I said, we would have no water to drink. We would have no air to breathe. No food to eat. These are the nine principles of enlightenment. Then the Is there, fun- yes, I just,
0: just want to say these are. It's such a powerful list that you uh, that you just shared with us. And there's and, so. Uh, much,
1: go ahead. There's so, there's so much more in those each and every one of the principles. But if I stood here and started talking about it, we'd be here for
0: the next <laughs> hour. Yeah, we have pretty much exhausted our time, but I want to thank you so much for going through these. And I hope people buy your book because a lot more is spelled out there, but it's just so important that people take these to heart. As far as I'm concerned, especially the love of Mother Earth, who is a part of God's creation and part of God's consciousness. Everything that lives has consciousness. Every tree, every plant, every animal. Everything. Everything as well as us.
1: Can I say one more thing? Absolutely. This is important. When they were showing me the numbers, they showed me uh, number 66. I knew this number my whole life because I always was alerted to this number for some reason. Mm-hmm. And one day I would look down at my watch and say 66. I look at the speedometer, I'm on 66. I look at an exit as I'm driving at 66, all in the same hour. And I always had that number in my mind for a reason. The beautiful angel that approached me that was showing me the numbers said, this is your alert system from your angels. And I remember that. It was nothing. The last spirit that approached me after the principles was a beautiful spirit. She was a beautiful, young, glowing, beautiful light. And she approached me, and she's the one that told me I must return. I must go home. And I remember fighting. I remember arguing. I didn't want to go back. I want to stay. I'm in the light of God. I want to stay here. I want to stay here. And she said, You must return. And I still pled and fight and I pleaded with her. And she said, For the third time, she said, Dad, you have the nine principles of enlightenment. You must return. Well, the dad thing went over my head and I was still pleading. And the next thing you know, I was back in my body, first dragged through a vortex, back like a rag doll, not not quite as nice as going up, going back. And I woke up, and I never forget, I had no air in my body. So I said, (laughs) like that. But that's the only thing that moved. That is the only thing that moved Mm -hmm. in my body. My daughter was born in 2000 in June. On the sixth month of the sixth day, I had a little baby girl. Oh. And she's going to be 23 this year.
0: And she was the, it was her spirit that was it encouraging was you to come back.
1: back. I know that because she said, I am six of six.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's lovely. It occurred to me too, sitting here, that it wasn't uh, June 6th, the day that D Day in World War Two, when World War II. When we succeeded in getting our troops into France and ultimately winning the war
1: against the Nazis. Absolutely. Powerful. It was wonderful. Being in the light of God, your home. Well, Bill, thank you so much
0: for this, for sharing your story and sharing the wisdom you gained from your experience. You have a website, right? And uh, also how they can find your book.
1: And you can find my book on Amazon. First of all, my book is called The Ninth Level of Enlightenment, The Wisdom of the Light. And it's on all the platforms. It's on Amazon. It's in the stores, Barnes and Nobles. It's on the website of Barnes and Nobles. It's on the Walmart website, the Target website. It's on the platforms also over in Europe. Mm-hmm. And uh we happen to be very doing very uh, well with it. There's there's stories in there I wasn't able to get to at the beginning about the about my life leading up to this. That's extremely interesting because it shows how it all intertwines uh, yes. with our whole life. Yeah. And my email is BillTortorella at gmail.com. That's B-I-L-L-T-O-R-T-O-R-E-L-L-A at gmail.com.
0: Thank you, Good. Bill, so much.
1: Thank you, Lee. This is a been Terrific.
0: If listeners would like to hear the show again, or any of our more than uh, 480 archived ad-free NDE interviews, go to Talk Zone's NDE Radio site and hit the Pass Shows button, or go to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can subscribe to and comment on the complete NDE Radio Library. And be sure to check out our NDE Radio Facebook page, Just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app and listen again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at Talk Zone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks to Bill and thanks for listening.